Welcome to JS for Justice podcast. If live breaking news and following true crime is your thing, then please consider subscribing to my channel. And if you like what you see in my videos, please consider giving them a thumbs up. I'm Betty Politan. Great to have you with us here on Closing Arguments. And this story is, is so heartbreaking. Uh, we're talking about a five-year-old girl who went missing and has not been found. It's all taking place uh, in, in Tennessee. It's a story we've, we've been covering for some time. Take a look. There's her, there's her face. Her picture has been put on billboards, posters. It's all over. People are posting, reposting, all looking, hoping, and praying that they can find Summer Wells. There she is. And tonight we have some updates on the family of this missing angel, Summer Wells, who disappeared nearly six weeks ago. Over the weekend, Summer's father, Donald Wells, uh, confirmed that Summer's brothers were removed from the family's home during an interview with Jay is for Justice podcast. Here is some of what he said. Are the kids okay? They're fine. They're fine. The... the the rumor is that they were taken out of the home. Were they taken from you guys? Yeah, yeah. Were they? Oh, no. Yeah. Yesterday? Uh, a couple days ago. Uh, oh, I'm so right sorry. Now, right now, with everybody attacking us and all this stuff going on, right now, it's probably better for them. WJHL reporter Ansley Daniels spoke with Summer's parents, Donald and Candace Wells, after a hearing yesterday and is joining us live tonight with more. Ansley, great to see you again. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi there. Thank you so much for having us back on. I did actually speak with Don Wells yesterday as well as Candace. There was a court hearing yesterday here in Hawkins County. Now, I want to be clear that we were not allowed in the courtroom. I was not even allowed to take my phone or Apple Watch or anything like that into the lobby. I had to leave all of that into the car. So I was only allowed to take a pen and a notepad in to the lobby yesterday. Um, they got there around 1 o'clock, right when their hearing began. They were immediately escorted into another area. And um, when they came out, that's when I had the opportunity to speak with both of them, where Candace Bly first walked out. She confirmed to me that the boys had been removed from the home late last week. Yesterday, she did not tell me why. She said that she would prefer to not explain why they had been left or about why they had been taken by the state. Now, she did say that they have retained an attorney, um, but she wanted to make clear that this was a separate situation from her daughter being missing from their home. A few minutes later, Don Wells walked out of the Justice Center, and I spoke with him. He also confirmed to me that the boys had been taken. And he did mention something similar to what he said on the podcast. He said that the boys were safer where they were um, in state custody. Now, he did not explain to me why. He didn't give me any reasoning as to why they were safer. He just said that he believed that they were safer there. Now, yesterday, you know, we also checked with the clerk's office. There is no new paperwork on this. But when it comes to situations involving minors, typically it's pretty a standard procedure for them to not release any paperwork um, or to not allow us into courtrooms and things of that nature. But again, both of her parents wanted it to be made clear that this was a separate situation from Summer being missing. Let me ask you, Ansley, because you're there. Um, 
when, when you said safer, you know, a couple things come to mind. Sometimes in these super high-profile cases like this, there could be a lot of people kind of roll into town. Maybe you don't want the kids near them. Uh, all this attention that they're getting as well. Uh, do you think that played any role in it based upon what is happening near and around their home and in the community? That certainly could be a reason as to why they were removed. Um, I will say on the podcast, um, Don Wells did mention that he had an episode of drinking over the weekend. Again, we are not sure if it's correlated at all. We just know that he mentioned it. He, he said that was the reason why on that podcast. However, yesterday when I asked Candace, she didn't want to give me the reason as to why they were taken. Um, but, you know, you're right. There is a lot of talk about this case. It's definitely, um, you know, made waves here in our community in Northeast Tennessee. There are people from all over the nation and the world watching this case right now. So that certainly could be a reason as to why they were taken. Um, but again, you know, there, there are prayer circles happening um, every week for summer in the Kingsport community, which is about 30 minutes from where she lives. And her mother has been showing up to some at the last one two weeks ago. Summer's brothers were there, but at the one last night, it was only Summer's mother as well as her Sunday school teacher. So, you know, there have been people, too, that have been coming from all over the nation to those. So that, you know, definitely does play into your theory some. And how about the latest in searches? Um, have there been more searches? And, and if so, do we, do we know anything about results? Have, was anything found? There was another search over the weekend. EquiSearch Midwest came back. Um, they were here in the beginning stages of this search. They came back over this past weekend. Unfortunately, though, nothing came up of that search, especially nothing that we're aware of at this time. However, yesterday we did receive an interesting release from the Churchill Rescue Squad. They were the lead agency on the ground search. And yesterday, after that search was completed over the weekend, they told us that they are no longer the lead agency for the ground search and that everything will now go through the Hawkins County Sheriff's Office unless the Sheriff's Office needs them to assist. Um, we aren't really sure why that is. Um, yesterday we did reach out for an in interview with um, Tim Coop, who is the incident commander of ground search operations or was for this case, um, but he said that he was not interested in um, furthering the release that he sent out yesterday, just that he was you know, no longer the lead agency um, on the ground search. All right, Ansley, stay with us. I want to bring two more folks uh, in, into the conversation tonight. Joining us in Atlanta, Georgia, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University, former senior investigator for the Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office and forensics media analyst Joseph Scott Morgan, and in Salt Lake City, Utah, retired police commander, host of the Profiling Evil podcast and author of Deceived, an investigative memoir of the Zion Society cult. Mike King is with us. Great to have you both here. Uh, Joseph Scott Morgan, let me start with you. Um, your reaction to the latest developments involving the family that uh, the siblings have been removed from the home. Well, there's any number of reasons why people are separated from one another. Uh, let's remember these children uh, were that first point of contact. They had these immediate recollections. And one of the things that, you know, police officers are taught early on in their training uh, is that if you have witnesses, you want to keep them separated so that the stories can't get jumbled up. That's a possibility here, and you're dealing with young, delicate minds at this point in time. Secondly, what what level of danger was there? You know, people keep talk, using this word safe, safe, safe. Uh, 
what level of danger was there in this dwelling, in, in at this residence, in the surrounding area? Why would they feel compelled to have this need to extricate these children from this location? And then, you know, you have this familial dynamic. You really wonder, uh, do the police have something else uh, in mind here? Do are they looking at something else? Has the situation become untenable in that residence? Remember uh, what was mentioned just a few moments ago, the dad actually admitted uh, to having a bout of drinking. That's certainly an environment that you would not want these young children in. My Lord, they've been subjected to enough at this point. Mike King, um, your, your reaction to these latest developments in, involving the family? Yeah, I think Joseph's right on target. The the questions that I guess I have are, um, it, was it something related to the investigation or was it entirely separate from that? And it would appear with Don's comments about the drinking and he mentions other things which he doesn't really clarify, that it might be that that family also acknowledges that with the stress that they're under with a missing five-year-old daughter, uh, that they're not giving the attention that these children deserve. Uh, there, there are certainly questions about whether the home is a safe environment for the children anyway. And so there might be a number of reasons, but I, I particularly like the idea, Vinny, that this gives investigators an opportunity to really lock down whether that child entered the home, whether she went into the basement, whether she uh, could have exited that basement door, whether there was someone else. There are so many things that they are pivotal in understanding, and I think it's a great opportunity for forensic examinations. Joseph, uh, what do you think about the, the sheriff taking over the uh, search efforts, the Hawkins County Sheriff's Department? Well, he's going to have more. Uh, uh, he, he, he has broader resources, I think. He can call things to bear, uh, call people up, bring in reserves, this sort of thing. Uh, sheriff, uh, you know, it goes, it's, it's well known that sheriffs are, you know, they, there's a reason they're referred to as the high sheriff. They're some of the most powerful people in a, in a particular county. And so you want that individual on point. One of the things that I'm really thinking about here, Benny, relative to this search, and I don't want to bury the lead and jump ahead, but one of the things I'm thinking about is that we have had so many boots on the ground in this case. My assumption is, is that they have used all manner of canine tracking at this point, everything from looking for uh, a living human being to cadaver dogs, this sort of thing. And it would seem at least, and we can't verify this, obviously, that there is no scent that has been uh, determined. I, I'm thinking out on this property, this is a vast area. Are there abandoned wells? Are there sinkholes? Uh, I've visited this area and camped up there with my family. I can tell you there are caves up there. There's all kinds of little nooks and crannies that folks can get into, but they're not picking up on any kind of scent. So it, you're not just going to have a young girl that's barefooted, that's this age, that's going to wander off in a straight line and leave this grid area here, I'm still of the opinion that she has been spirited away somewhere. Ansley, can you kind of fill us in on the extent of the search efforts, how many searches, how quickly after she disappeared they began, and, and where they've been focused? The search began immediately from what I understand when that 911 call came in. Um, I know that that search, the initial night, went into the wee hours of the morning. Now, I think that they broke 
off for a little bit and then resumed at daylight. I think they broke off around three or four and then kind of came back at daylight. Um, and then after that, the searches went on for 13 days in that area with more than a thousand people searching for more than 160 agencies, not only across the state of Tennessee, but other states as well across the southeast. Um, I think that, you know, your point to the cadaver dogs and the other dogs that have been here searching, you know, is a very interesting um, point that you brought up. We learned a little bit about that last week in a um, communications meetings from EMA directors in Hawkins County. They mentioned that they, you know, had to use some of their supplies to take the dogs further out into the woods um, on different um, ATV units so they wouldn't get as tired. So we do know that dogs were used. They were, we've told, been told that they've searched more than, you know, a four mile radius near the home. Um, but nothing has come up, which is just leaving us with more questions than answers most days. Yeah, Mike King, that's not a great place to be with more questions than answers. So, so what's, what's next? Where, where, where do we go from here, Mike, if, if these searches, and these are vast searches, you've got Texas uh, or Midwest EquiSearch coming in more than once. Yeah. You've got all law enforcement, and they're coming up empty. Where do we go? Yeah, I think you got to go back to ground zero and and solve that problem first. And and th so the interviews with mom and dad and grandmother and the boys continues to be an, an extremely important piece of this puzzle. You got to come up with a reason why she would leave the property and if it would have been uh, because she was targeted in some way or just an opportunistic kind of thing. But we can't rule out the fact that this tyke could have wandered off and and just like we've talked about, there are so many places she could have tucked up under a, a bush or something. But as time goes on and with the temperatures the way they are, there would start to be signs if she were somewhere out in the open. So it makes you worry about things like those wells or, or those little caverns where she might crawl. I want to take a, a listening and, and remind folks, this is Candace Bly, a summer's mom, um, speaking and kind of giving us an idea of, of what happened. And this is the interview from WJHL, of course. Me and my mother and her were planting flowers and we went in after we got done washing our hands and she got a piece of candy from grandma and she wanted to go back over and see her brothers and I said okay and I walked her all the way over to the porch and I watched her walk into the kitchen where the boys were watching TV and I told the boys I said watch summer I'll be back. And within two minutes, I came back, and I asked the boys where their sister was, and they said, she went downstairs, Mom, to play with her toys in the playroom. I said, okay. And I yelled downstairs for her a couple times, and I didn't get no answer, which was unusual because usually she always answers me. And so I went down there to check, and she was nowhere in sight. She was just gone. Hansley Daniel, um, let me ask you, has, has anything changed in, in what the parents are saying happened? Have they added to it, elaborated uh, on, on what happened that day? To me personally, they have not. That's been their story, and Candace and Donna both stuck to that for the most part. Um, the only thing that I would say that you know might bring a little bit of question is is that time frame. She mentions two minutes um, where you know Summer went inside and she was Candace was outside with her mother. Um, she mentions that there was a two minute time span there, but a lot of people, like I say, myself included, question you know could she have walked off and gone that far away? 
within that two minute frame. Um, and then, you know, there's also the question of, you know, kind of what led up to that moment that she went missing. What happened during the day? Um, there's been a couple of different um, scenarios there, but unfortunately, um, for the most part, that story has stuck the same. So we still, again, don't really know what exactly happened that night in Beach Creek. Ansley Daniel, WJHL, always great uh, to have you on the program. Really appreciate uh, your reporting and your insight. Thanks so much.